13 of What Most People Think, live at the Edinburgh Fringe. When I say live at the Edinburgh Fringe, what I mean is I'm in a flat in Least in Edinburgh while the Fringe is on. Now, I know uh, a lot of these comedians, all these left-wing comics, you see, they come up to Edinburgh, and where do they stay? They stay in the meadows, yeah? They stay in the nice bits. Not me, I stay in Leaf, mate, where, where men exit pubs sideways. That's a... You try to come down Leaf Walk late at night, any, any night of the week... And there will be, and this is this is a stereotype, but even people at Leaf will go, yeah, that is exactly how it is. The the level of drunkenness midweek here is to be fucking celebrated, okay? As the rest of the country is pussying out of alcohol, Leafy, I feel like it's doubling down, and and, and it's great to see. Um, I've got to say, like, you know, you come in some places and make you realise who you are as a person, right? I was um, last night. Uh, it was around about like nine p.m. And there were maybe 500 shows that I could have gone and seen, right? You know, everything from comedy to uh, ballet to fucking spoken... I've never, I don't know what spoken word is. Uh, I, think, I think it's kind of like comedy that's not funny and they're willing to admit it. Um, and, and, and where was I? I, was, uh, I found a big screen showing the football and I wasn't alone, I'll be honest. I wasn't alone. Um, yeah, Man United Wolves uh, sort of took precedence over possibly the greatest liberal arts festival on earth and you know people say about the Edinburgh Fringe they think that I, I, I dislike it I, I don't dislike it at all it's, it's, it's got to be one of the easiest places in the world to seem controversial I mean you you literally mention the fact that you think men and women are innately different you just watch little brains exploding all over the room uh, speaking of men and women I, I miss I do miss my wife and kid though I'm only up here for a a two-month run, and um, I miss I miss to a point where you know the worst bit is when I can tell that she's sort of like she goes through a bit of missing me, and then I sort of when I ring her, I get this impression that she's sort of seeing that life might be simpler if I wasn't around. <laughs> like you know, she'd miss my occasional moment of levity, but equally there's a lot less stuff to pick up and and a lot less reassuring that needs to be done. Uh, thank you everyone who listened to the the Ian Stone episode in uh, episode uh, twelve. If you haven't caught up with that yet. Do listen to it because people really the people that listen to that really seem to like it. So do check it out. And actually, speaking of my wife, she she enjoyed that one. And she's uh, she's uh, she's tougher than any critic in Edinburgh. She if she likes something, it's genuinely generally because it's actually good. She's got a good eye and ear for that sort of thing. Um, so we will be getting on on today's show. We've got a, a great guest. We've got Leo Curse right now. If you think being um, a conservative comic is rare in the world of stand up, Leo not only that he's Scottish. He's a Scottish Tory as well, so he really is exotic and stuff. And I, I, I've been a long-time fan of, of of Leo, and I think you know, I thought he was a guy that maybe listeners of this podcast might like to hear more from. Some of you will obviously already know him, and he's doing a show at the Edinburgh Fringe called Transgressive, uh, which I went to see. So, um, so we, we get into a chat, Leo. So it starts off. We talk about some sound right-wing economic stuff economic policy and then it kind of loosens up and we get to get into the the nature of offense and sometimes he's got himself in trouble and of course we do the letters as usual and i, re- I really enjoyed sitting down and having that chat with leo and um speaking of politics just before we crack on is um some of the suggestions as to how we bridge the brexit impasse i've got to be up there with the shittest suggestions i've ever heard for anything i mean i, I agree yeah i i am to, you know, tentative about what a no-deal Brexit might mean. Equally, the idea that we should just 
install the mother and father of the house. Where the fuck did that come from? Just, oh yeah, yeah, let's get the two oldest people in the comments. That That's a great base. Let's get, who is it, Harriet Harman and Ken Clark. Ken Clark hasn't had any massive responsibility for a while. Are you fucking joking me? The mother and father, what is this? Victorian, is this a Jane Eyre novel now? And then some people thought uh, John Major is the guy. It's amazing the, 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 the renaissance that Major has had now. They just think that, I don't know, they think he's going to like uh, appear like Gandalf the Grey, you know, in the second Lord of the Rings film. They just think he's going to appear at the mountaintop and swoop them back into the EU. I'm not, I'm not sure he's the answer either. And then, of course, the, uh, the other suggestion was, uh, was Corbyn, that he, he might be uh, the unity candidate, right? He might be the guy to lead a unity government because, you know, he's done such a great job, uh, you know, pulling his own party together. Imagine, imagine what he could do for the country, you know? He, I mean, you ever, you, sometimes you see with Corbyn, do you ever see his, like, uh, his MP sitting behind him at question time? They look, they've got the face of, like, you know, a teenager when uh, their parents start getting out the baby photos in front of their first girlfriend. <laughs> That's what they just, oh, for God's sake. So embarrassing. So, yeah, uh, keep, keep trying with those suggestions. I, I don't think uh, any of those work. Uh, just quick thank you and fuck you before we get into the show. Thank you uh, to everyone uh, at the Fringe Show who stuck around for a chat afterwards. I think that I get... I, I'm biased, and this is true of the tour shows as well. I definitely get the coolest most interesting people come to see my shows. You know, from across the political spectrum, uh, apart from one woman, actually, one woman, um, I tweeted about this, and I didn't actually... So I got heckled three minutes into the show um, because I was sort of talking about, uh, you know, maybe looking at some of the negatives about how women have changed, right? Because I thought there's been a lot about how men have changed. And about three minutes in, she started going, shit, shit, you're shit, shit, <laughs> and um, and then I thought well, this this could be a problem, and then and then she just then she just shut up, and and what what turned out when I spoke to punters afterwards, they thought that it must have been a ruse, because see this is one of the things with some Edinburgh audiences, there's it's another one of the dangers of having seen too many plays, right? But they just think if anything interesting happens, it must have been a coup d'état, or whatever it's coup de théâtre, fucking theatre thing. Uh, so thank you to anybody that stuck around for a chat and uh, a fuck you to the, the, the small minority of punters who, who've pointed out to me afterwards that a couple of bits didn't fully work. Now, I don't know uh, what didn't give you a clue that I'd be trying out bits, either the fact it's called work in progress, yeah, the fact I was reading that particular bit off my fucking laptop, yeah. You, you got a fiver discount against the talk. That fiver, that's a fiver, that's back in your skyrocket so I can be... On a couple of occasions throughout a whole one-hour show, I can be a little bit shit without feeling that pricks like you are gonna hold me to account for it. So you've got the my fiver essentially. That's the way to look at it. And you, you know, at this fringe, um, you spend it on whatever you want. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it'll buy you that much. You know what I mean? A fiver it might buy you a half like a spicy chicken wrap, um, but knock yourself out. And actually, knock yourself out, you fuckwits. Um, but that's only been a couple of people, and everyone has sort of been very supportive of what I've been doing in the show and to be honest it's one of the best ones I've had here at the Fringe and if you're listening to this before the 25th I am here until the 25th uh, of August a lot of tickets for Fridays and Saturdays gone uh, the Thursday and the Sunday you might uh, get a ticket but enough about me uh, this is a chat today with the magnificent Leo Kurtz Sorry. 
So, on uh, what most people think, I've got Leo Kirst, who is a human being first and foremost, but also a, a Scottish Tory, which... Yeah. People quite, well, people say it's a rarity, but I think there's like 11 Tory seats in Scotland, so yeah. we're basically keeping keeping the Tories in majority government. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, people who listen to the show will be interested. Some of them will already know that you uh, exist and stuff. I came yeah. to see your show Transgressive the other night. Right, yeah. And, and loved it, thought it was great. And I think that your, 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 your sort of backstory, your origins story is a good one because you, you've ended up this kind of like right of centre, you know, taking on the kind of woke orthodoxy, but, but your, your upbringing was quite sort of hippie, wasn't it? Yeah, very sort of woke. Like my parents, they're English hippies, so they um, moved from London to Scotland in the 70s. And so we're, you know, running about in the hills, eating lentils. There's loads. In southwest Scotland, there's a big community of English hippies. I think in Wales as well, because people were... Free-grown lentils. Uh. Yeah, all, all good. <laughs> all like, yeah, we grew yeah. our own food. And um, yeah, my mum was very right on. My dad was a bit less right on. Um, he's a gunsmith. But um, so we're we're also shooting a lot of our own food as well. Yeah, like it was, it was very there's loads loads of hippies. I think it was the, the threat of nuclear annihilation yeah. in London uh, meant that loads of people sold up and moved to Wales or moved to moved to Scotland. But unfortunately, it was right at the start of the the housing uh, bubble. So they, they literally had an end of terrace townhouse in Notting Hill, yeah. and they sold it for something like twenty six thousand pounds. It's insane. Like, that'd be sickening. Like we'd be having this conversation on a yacht. If they'd kept it. True. You would have been a twat from Notting Hill, though. Absolutely, yeah. You'd have just been an English twat from yeah. Notting Hill. Then so it wouldn't be notable. You... It wouldn't be notable if I was right wing then. You know, I'd be expected to be right wing. Another <laughs> English twat from Notting Hill. So in a weird in a weird way they've done you a solid. But one thing I suppose <laughs> So yeah, I wonder if like you know, my old man being a trade union man, you know, I'll kick yeah. back against that. Because we think that our politics are like this this synthesis of the world around us, yeah. but how much of it just comes back from you being a little kid yeah. thinking, fuck this. We had grown up in Scotland, obviously everybody in Scotland's really, really socialist. There's a strong history of trade unions and being left wing and uh, you know and also the Scottish Socialist Party, Scottish Communists are actually, mm. you know, quite um, respected and quite uh, or they were in the eighties a sort of semi dominant force in Scottish politics. I mean the SNP are quite a socialist government, way more socialist than um, than, than Labour I'd say. Um, but I think the, the real change for me came when I started working. I was a criminal intelligence analyst, so I was working mm. in the police. Then I worked in government and local government, and I worked as a consultant, sort of restructuring uh, the way public services are delivered, so mm. making sure that the taxpayer is getting more bang for their buck. And honestly, the amount of profligacy and waste that's in local government and government in general. Mm. and and the thing is, like most of the money that's spent, I mean, I understand some stuff's got to be delivered by the government. We've got to have, mm. like, you know, roads, military, police. Mm. Uh, the NHS is a great, you know, is, is an efficient way to deliver health, a health service. Um, so that's all. That's all essential stuff. I mean, like, just, just. I mean, we talk about the ways that we can be casually radical here, right? If you think in the comedy community, you saying it's an efficient way to deliver a health service. Yeah. If you think in most of the rest of the comedy community, we'd be getting out our I heart the NHS badges now. The oh, most, yeah. the most you wish to say is it's an efficient way. I and, and I'm on the same same page as you. But it's funny with the NHS. It's so emotional that people people stop looking into it on that level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are the flaws? It becomes it? a yeah. mantra. It becomes something. Yeah. Not with any basis in, in like fact or, or logic. Uh, it's not something that people question or look into. Um, and it, I mean, it just so happens the NHS is, you know, healthcare in the UK, we get far more bang for our buck than they do in America, yeah. uh, where they spend more per person. I mean, if you've got like a privatised health system, 
you've got the worst of both worlds. You've got a lot of government money going into it, and you've also got private companies trying to like make as much money as they can off it. And also, mm. I think uh, people not having universal health coverage it stifles entrepreneurialism, uh, stops people leaving their jobs, taking another job, stops them um, stops them starting up businesses because yeah. they're taking a risk with their health if they do that. Uh, so I mean, I think it's the it's the best way to deliver. You know, also you're not wasting any money on assessment, insurance, all that completely useless. It's got no sort of social utility, all, all that, the assessment and the dealing with the insurance claims and all that kind of stuff. You're just dealing with the actual delivery of the service. I know yeah. there's a lot of bureaucracy around that, but it's still, it's still way more efficient than having a privatized service. But I think for most things, the free market is just by far the best way to, to deliver deliver services and, it, and goods. And isn't it isn't it weird that, that, that the Tories have, have, have failed to make a case for that? Because if you look at the, the recent past and, you know, if you take Brexit out of the equation, actually, if you look at, like, the economic growth has been stilted, stilted but it's still been there up until the last quarter. Yeah. You know, you've had low inflation, you've had wage growth, you've had a buoyant jobs market. I mean, yeah. if, if you look at the Tory project going back over 20 this is like the fantasy time this should have been know, like the time to absolutely harvest yeah. this, this is what we're about <laughs> everybody got jobs yeah uh, and, and, and currently and currently they're not really able to make that noise because of the so-called bandwidth well I feel like we're teetering on a cliff with this I mean part of the reason that the wages are going up is because people are going back to Europe and, uh, and I, I think I mean the thing is with immigration I can see you know I'm, I'm in favour of immigration I think you know the free flow of people across borders that's you know generally a good thing but it's got to be it's got to be done in a sort of smart way and also you've got to like ameliorate the impacts of it so I mean it's obviously going to put pressure on on services and yeah. housing if you've got loads of people I'm mean, like it's not fair on a, a builder in London if you're a builder in London you've got you know a, like a family three kids you've got a house to support and then yeah. like people are coming over and living like three because some, some of my mates that come over from like Brazil from Eastern Europe They'll live, they'll, they'll live for a couple of years, like three to a room. Yeah. And obviously they'll be able to undercut the prices of the, the local builders. So it's, it's, it's not fair. I mean, this is one of the things, I suppose, when you talk about the, the impact of, of freedom of movement that, that's been disputed, they use kind of like macro figures about, yeah. you know, the positive effect of immigration on the British economy, which I don't dispute, right? They're not looking at it. But, no, they're not looking at it like in sector, but by, by sector. And yeah, like you say, wage growth since uh, people have been returning home yeah. from Europe. Um, suggest that maybe they was having a, a, a downward pressure. You yeah, know? absolutely. It's like any other market. If you've got like lots of supply, the price is going to go down. Mm. So, um, I mean, we had loads of jobs being created in the UK and people were coming to, to fill those jobs. And, uh, you know, now that people are, are going back, the companies are having to pay more to get people into those positions. Which, I mean, immigration is almost like, it's like steroids for, for the economy. Mm. Uh, you know, you've got people coming in and, you know, inflates the economy a lot, but then you've got to deal with the impact of... Roid rage. You know, so, that <laughs> social movement. And yeah. it cre- it's crazy how liberals, how uh, left-wing people, they'll, they'll say gentrification is, you know, horrific and you know, the worst thing that can happen. When that's like middle-class people moving into an area. Yeah, how yeah. come, like, you know, that movement of people, you've got middle-class people moving into an area, then all of a sudden there's coffee shops... Yeah. and uh, you know you don't get mugged you know oh it's yeah. gentrified it's terrible oh no I can get you know nice changing food. too fast tapas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no they're, you know, they're, they're like this is terrible but then like you know other other movements of people if anybody complains about it then you're you're racist it's, it's ridiculous I suppose I you know I find myself conflicted on the whole um, gentrification thing because like a lot of people I think it's quite logical just have a standpoint of like I, you know I like seeing the old manor as it was yeah. I like a waitrose I think that it's yeah. possible for human beings to hold those two emotions yeah. simultaneously yeah, yeah. Uh, at the same time, you know, and I, 
I, and also, you know, when it comes down to property prices, yeah. you know, this is what I suppose one of the things, you know, often stick up for the working classes. But there's been a, this hypocrisy where people go, well, we've all we've all had to move out of London. You, know, you didn't have to move out of London. Yeah, yeah. What happened was, um, for the ones of you who did own property, you cashed in, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? You went and lived in South End and then sport West Ham. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. And then <laughs> even got bored with that, started going to see South End, but then claiming you as a West Ham yeah. fan. But really, you're just too poor... I mean, property is a, a brilliant example of the government um, acting in the worst interests of the of the actual population. Because the I mean, the government doesn't want property prices to fall because then all the voters who own property will be like, oh, "I hate this government. My, my house price is going yeah. down." Uh, so they want it to, to keep going up. So to make to make sure it keeps going up, they've uh, they've got a system of rules and regulations that make it extremely difficult and costly to build new property. Mm. We desperately need new property. All these planning regulations, they're stopping people building new property. Mm. And even like, a lot of uh, a lot of Western cities are introducing rent controls because the rent prices are going up too high. Mm. And that's the government acting in the. I mean, this is this is why I believe in small government because that is the government acting. In the absolute opposite, the absolute opposite to the way it should. So they need more property. Like mm. rent, rent prices are high because there's not enough property to go around. Yeah. So instead of building new property, they reduce the the rental yield on pro- existing properties and thus reduce the incentive for people to invest in property and build new property. It's mm. the opposite of what they should be doing. Okay, just butting in uh, with a quick tour plug for a change. Yeah, on my podcast. Plugging my own tour. I do this for free, yeah? How about a little bit of gratitude? Um, the tour starts in not long at all, actually. September the 19th uh, is Guildford, and that one's sold out, as are a few other dates. London, Leicester Square, uh, Reading, uh, Bath, Dorking. There's a number of other ones. That Cardiff, you might want to get your skates on. Uh, there's a couple of places where, where I'd like to see it, the room get a bit busier. They're doing all right. Glasgow and Belfast, right? When I asked to play those places, everyone was like... Jeff, are you mad? You got what? A Tory comedian going to Glasgow or Glasgow or Glasgow? That's what a lot of people don't realise about Glasgow if they haven't spent much time. Glasgow, as I'm saying it, to people from Glasgow is the worst way of saying it, isn't it? Glasgow. It must sound awful to them. And then if you're sort of like a bit Scottish, you go Glasgow, right? But if you are really dyed in the wall, you know, the kind of Glaswegian that says him instead of home, then you're going with Glasgow. Glasgow. So I'm playing in Glasgow. How about it, big man? Um, and also Belfast. Right? I'm going to Belfast. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to talk about the gigs that I did for the troops in Belfast. <laughs> See how that goes. Might go well. It's not stereotype, you know. And let's go with Belfast, along with Glasgow. Maybe the reason I mention these two shows are we talk about two of the coolest fucking accents in Britain, right? You're fucking, you're right there, wee man. Hey, Jeff, I heard you come to Belfast. Uh, I was wondering whether you wanted to come for, you know, I, I, I lost the accent a bit there. I was, I was basically, I lost it because I bought it because I was thinking about <laughs> doing a gag about which kind of pub uh, I get invited to for a drink, you know? Do you want to come and have a drink at the wee tricolour? Or maybe the King's Arms? Jeff, which one is it? Fucking tell us, you wee cunt. Um, so I, I've, been, <laughs> I've been but look the truth is I, I'm talking about all that stuff I've gigged in Belfast loads over the years and uh, you know that stuff well, it's still there still there it's not, it's not as tense as it was so I <laughs> this is what's going to happen on the night isn't it I'm going to dig myself a fucking shallow grave um, so I just did one of those I did a shallow grave I just did one of those things that all the young comedians do there I did an ironic 
end to a joke because I couldn't think of a punchline. Could you just... Just fucking someone, someone fucking hit me if I do it. You know, I don't think that's a legitimate way of ending a routine going, oh, welcome to the show. Just saying it in a, a weird way. So I apologise to my loyal audience there. And yeah, that's it. Come to the shows. Glasgow and Belfast. It'd be great to see as many people as there as possible. And let's get back to the chat with Leo Kirst. Dan, and actually, that just reminds me tangentially of something that you mentioned in the show about you know, there's some of the the, the hypocrisy of, of uh, high-profile left-wing uh, performers. You yeah. go, you had a bit of a pop at left-wing comics. And I sort of thought, you know, I, I, you just sort of paraphrase that. You don't have to do the joke, but what was the point you were making? Oh, yeah, so basically all these comedians say that they're left-wing, but really they're right-wing. They're total self-starting Thatcherite entrepreneurs going out and hustling yeah. for work in a free market. And also the pay structure in comedy is really unequal. So a headliner will get like £400. Middle spot will get £50. You never see one of these... Virtuous left-wing headliners demanding that their pay is equally distributed amongst all the acts. You never see them backstage in the green room being like, "Oh, there you go. There's there's 120 quid because I was paid more than you." You know, and then doubling up as well. You know, yeah, they, they yeah. Often do sort of swallow up. You know, like monopolize. Yeah, uh, essentially. Like uh, Microsoft in the nineties. It must be weird, I suppose. Like if you if you're a particularly successful left-wing comic and you're just banking your next quarter of a million, yeah. uh, deconstructing capitalism. I mean, look, I'm not saying that those people don't have ways of supporting charities, but I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing that they're keeping most of that wedge, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. guessing that they're not they're not set up as sole traders still, right? Yeah. And I think that we don't talk enough about that sole trader to business thing yeah. because the moment that you uh, you switch over right it is it is a, a, a tax avoidance device it's completely right. legitimate and morally okay yeah. as far as I'm concerned but it's a way of paying less tax isn't it yeah. you know like I, I suppose there comes a point where you're a business and other people depend on you but they you know we know a lot of people even at circuit level that are set up as companies right yeah so so your you your beef is perhaps that there's a bit of a tension between like uh lifestyle and ideology yeah like with with all with all socialists it's always socialism for other people they're always buying yeah. oh we need to get the rich we need to get the rich to to pay this yeah. you know and it's always some nebulous other group yeah like <laughs> the rich they don't realize that like you know if jeremy corbyn gets in they're going to be paying more tax Specifically, yeah, yeah. them. Everybody's going to be paying more tax. Well, know? I think in a way it dovetails with. Um, there was a furore this week or like yesterday on social media. So Julia Hartley Brewer made a flippant comment about um, about global warming, and you know she's still going to be taking long haul flights, and and everyone got yeah. upset, of course. And I I just sort of thought it almost reminded me of a Frankie Ball line about people being more upset about a joke than about global warming itself. I saw more discourse yeah. about Julia Hartley Brewer's joke. And the question always comes down to me is, what are you doing? What yeah. radical step are you doing? If you believe that there's a climate emergency, yeah. what holidays you cancelled, yeah. right? do you know what I mean? What cars have you returned? Because yeah. if it's just come down to sorting out your recycling, that does fuck all. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So if, unless you're taking a radical step, if you're honestly, I understand some of the sentiment like why it irked yeah. people, the yeah. joke, but it was just a flippant throwaway comment. Yeah. And, and, and I Find it, I just find it disproportionate. And those Extinction Rebellion people yeah. who are banging on about climate change, they flew. Emma Thompson flew back from LA, first yeah. class. First yeah, yeah. class, which is the most carbon, like, insensitive flight you can take. She yeah. could have flown economy to read a poem at the Extinction Rebellion <laughs> thing. Because they're like, oh, but it's, it's worth it because she's going to get loads of press and PR. It's like, that's the opposite. That's like, yeah. I don't know. That's she like, pulled focus, I would I would say. <laughs> I think she, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's an actress. Yeah. She's an actress. That's what they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
But yeah, like they were getting plenty of coverage as it was. Yeah, yeah. You totally. know what's happened earlier? Is she sat in her room, right? Do you know what I mean? She's eating cashews or whatever in some fucking nice hotel. Yeah, yeah. And she's going, oh, I feel really inspired about this. I feel yeah. just, I want to be a part of agent, agent. Just, just yeah. get me out there. I yeah. want to be a part. And she hasn't really thought it through. It probably not coming from an evil place. She just hasn't really thought about it. Oh yeah. And then suddenly, and I saw the interview where someone said to her, you know, couldn't you have gone economy? And she was like, really, darling. It was kind of like a funny. <laughs> It was like a funny joke, yeah. but I sort of thought it crystallised maybe yeah. some of the problems with it. Yeah, I fly economy all the time, and I'm six foot six. You know, what yeah. I, mean? I don't fit into those seats. Well, but yeah, it, it's six foot six. I've often thought your your frame and stuff is a, is a really useful thing in terms of what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Because you're quite an imposing guy, <laughs> right? Uh, in a room, I think know? sometimes that works against me because I've got to like come out and be friendly and stuff. Because because uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like especially on a stage, I'm sort of towering over them. I'm too tall. Yeah. So you, but you got also you've got excellent posture as well. I've so, got mild kyphosis, but, uh, but well, do you have to stand like that then? Yeah, yeah. Because it just it just makes you sort of raise up to your full height all the time. <laughs> but you know, I I've obviously had stick uh, in various levels for for what I am. But yeah. you're you're Scottish. Do you think that there's been more? Because I get the class traitor thing. But at the end of the day. I am English and from the southeast, yeah. right? You are, you know, as to to people, you know, you're a Scottish guy. Yeah. Did you get that more? Did you get that harder off, like the cybernats or people? Um, like that? Yeah, some people. I mean, it's almost this patronising, uh, racist thing that liberals do uh, to to black people. You know, like they said to Kanye West when he's yeah. like, you know, friends with Donald Trump. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah. you shouldn't be that because of your colour. Like, as if everybody who's a certain yeah, yeah. demographic like has a to have these yeah. certain views. I mean, that's that's such a patronising, reductive. Uh, view that you know liberals are guilty of doing that a lot. Um, I think the good thing about being Scottish is we've got like a real tradition of um, of uh, winding people up and uh, you know questioning things. Mm. So um, so that's you know that, that plays into sort of what what I'm doing. Um, we mentioned a quite we... a cynical thread through Scottish culture. Yes, I always enjoy that in the humour. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it's like a USP. You know, like certain regions of the country. Have a, have a strong skill set. Yeah, you know, like Geordies for some reason are quite good with surrealism. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know why Londoners are quite good with that sort of irascible. What are you talking about? Well, you think you Bill Gates? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. and 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 where Scots like just got that way of of of, of a sort of dour deconstruction yeah, of, yeah. of motives. I always remember like in that Kevin Bridges tour, the first one after the um, the independence referendum, and he just come out at the beginning. And he just said about the first country in history to vote against our own independence, just put his hands up like he was celebrating. You know, yeah. just in that city, it was just something the way he distilled it down like that. And I think maybe that's, yeah. a, that's a Scottish thing, you know. <laughs> but you are like, you know, you mentioned winding people up there. And, and obviously, it, look, we can't lie, both of us enjoy that on, yeah. on some level. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, I would say that, like, as a person, we probably share that thing, it's like, have no you. You're a really nice guy. You're a really helpful guy as well. And also on the circuit, I think Dave Longley is is kind of like that. He's, I don't yeah. think he's right wing and stuff. So like we we is there's that and I've spoke about this with a few people on on the podcast. Is that there's that tension of there's yeah. that bit of your personality that's a real thing, but you give it more of a run around on stage maybe than anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. You know, is that true of your act to an extent? Yeah, I think, I mean, as a comedian, you're sort of taking things to, uh, uh, stretching it as far as you yeah. can. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a character on stage. And you've got to take ideas and find the logic and twist the logic and pull yeah, yeah. and stretch it. And that's, you know, that's where the funny stuff is. I've never been inspired or enjoyed these comedians who just come out and say, like, just boring platitudes about, you know... Uh, like even George Carlin I felt like he was just telling lazy hippies what they wanted to hear yeah. you know he's like charging them $60 a ticket and he's telling them oh hey man it's the system's fault it's the system's fault that they're keeping you down man so no you're just lazy 
you just lazy, you waste all your time smoking weed, and that's why you don't have a good job. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not the system keeping you down, it's you keeping you down. But it's you funny you mentioned American comedy. What you're talking about there is about people taking responsibility for their, for their actions. Yeah. And I think also, similarly, on the American circuit, that's always been a thing. You know, yeah. if you look at what makes Bill Burr so great, and, and Louis C.K., you yeah. know, to, to in, in a different era of his comedy... He used to, re- I don't mean the sex thing, I just remember there was a couple of years, like sort of in the mid part of this decade, yeah. where he really was unafraid to be mean to people, you know? Yeah. And I think that maybe that is the, you know, it's it's really dangerous thing, is if you think, oh, I, I don't want to ever be mean about anyone, what that means is like the only satirical subject is yourself. Yeah. So you've got to excavate your own soul. It's the easiest, it's the easiest form of comedy. Being it's, also, it's also exhaustible. As yeah, well, because there's yeah. just you, right? Yeah, so yeah. every year you got to kind of go, what's all this thing I've been doing this year? Oh, yeah. I've learned how to fucking knit. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, no. You see all these like totally yeah. groomed like 25-year-olds with snazzy haircuts and stuff, and they come out and they're like, oh, I'm not very good in social situations. I'm not very good at talking to women. It's like, yes, you are. You, you're an MTV presenter. Yeah. You're really good at talking to women. You know what I mean? You, you model. Like, of course you're good in social situations and talking. You're going to be on Love Island next year. You know? <laughs> not pretending. <laughs> It's interesting, I've got a review in Australia that said, oh, he goes after, he goes after easy targets, like poor people and disabled people. It's like, those aren't easy targets, they're the hardest targets yeah, in the yeah. world. To get people to laugh when you're like, yeah, yeah. you know, having a pop at like disabled people or poor people, which obviously, I mean, like, it makes it sound terrible, it makes it sound like a sort of Hitler rally or something. Like, the joke is, is funny and it's, you know, I'm yeah. sort of having, a, not really having a go, it's, it's more having a go at people who uh, were having a go at me. Yes. Um, well, I think it's like it's, it's that challenge in in comedy of of willing to seem like a a, a bad person yeah. to some people in the room, yeah. but still make them laugh. And I yeah. think that I call that the reluctant laugh, which I think yeah. it's like a par five, like tricky yeah. dog leg. You're sort of looking there, you think, right, it's five hundred and fifty yeah. fucking yards away. Yeah. There's like a lake in the middle of it, and and I kind of like that. But yeah. I mean, and you if know, you get, if you get it right, man, it's, it's amazing. It's the biggest laugh. Yeah. Well, I remember I was doing a, I was doing a preview in Dublin, and uh, there was this there was a there was a group. Uh, women down the front and one of them just hated the show and she was yeah. t- turning to her friends and like you know just she hated it so much and they were, so she was like sort of telling them not to laugh and then eventually I broke her friends and they started in a comedic laughing. way like, yeah, yeah yeah they just started <laughs> laughing and like yeah. then they, they were just like they were in floods they just couldn't they couldn't stop once they started it was brilliant but do you do you think <laughs> I definitely find that if they're the most likely demographic of people that are going to hate me is yeah. younger women yeah I, yeah, I fucking that is my kind yeah. of Achilles heel. I had like on the second night, I had quite a lot of younger women in, and um, I don't know if I've told caught up with you yet, but the yeah. uh, as I was leaving, there was a woman that came up to me and said I, I didn't enjoy that at all, yeah. and then um, and then her fella. Um, gave her his camera and said, "Can you take a photo of me and Jeff?" Like, <laughs> and then she was fucking fuming, and now she's fuming with with him. But I suppose because in, in in my show this year, what what I sort of like what what I said was like, you know, I, I heard that there's a lot of uh, young fellas coming up apologising for their masculinity. Yeah, I said I'd rather flip it the other way and talk about the problem with modern women, right? Yeah. and it's not what they're expecting to, yeah, to be taken yeah. on their own ground. There is a reason I'm doing it in a way. It's because I think that I acknowledge the change in power structure between men and women over the yeah. last five years all of which for me makes 
women like a, a you know they're back in play as a subject powerful <laughs> yeah, powerful yeah. women right yeah yeah so so that in a way to me is like well let's be honest one part of me just loves taking the piss but yeah. it's a way of sort of doffing my cap thinking okay yeah. Yeah, this is a reasonable mm. status game I mean absolutely because you- I'm in the liberal attitude of being like oh no I'm not going to like talk about women or whatever because that's punching down because they need to be protected like they don't need to be protected look, well, they look don't know like- the women I know I mean the women I grew up with that's always been an issue for me is imagining women as Weak is not yeah. something that squares with my yeah hundred percent. I was raised by a single mother, like you know, uh, well from from the age of twelve or whatever, like single mother, totally strong, going out like you know. It's uh, young to be a single mum. Let's be honest. Huh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scotland, though, you know. Stick that one in. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. This is how comedy works. You ever wonder how comedians share ideas? This is yeah. It. yeah. And like look around the world, you got like uh, Angela Merkel, uh, Christine Lagarde, uh, Hillary Clinton. I mean, she didn't quite win, but like yeah. you know, you got all these like powerful women. I, I don't know who would uh, you know who sees women as like incapable or weak or being held back by anything and also I, I just reject the idea that I, I wouldn't be allowed to talk I mean I suppose I might have accepted that idea if there hadn't been that sudden shift where the left was sort of saying oh you can't do talk about pejoratives you know what I mean yeah. you can't talk about negative stereotypes about large groups of people yeah, but yeah, then yeah. suddenly there was this thing about men yeah. white, white men and I sort of thought well, okay look it's either one or the other you know what I mean yeah. either we can talk about these things and I like to say and I, having seen your show I think you like me are careful to, to make sure that you, the way you approach a subject is legitimate because yeah. like you say audiences are savvy and, yeah. and even people that are disposed to your comedy if you just take a mean kick down yeah. without any grace they won't fucking laugh they, yeah, won't, they yeah. won't like it or you might get a really small laugh and then, and then the gig might go another way so I, th- yeah. I think I agree that but I, I think maybe b- b- between us I think I would argue maybe I've got a greater need to be liked on stage than you I think right. you're you're happy to like you know come out <laughs> and I've seen like the way that when you, you disagree with um, comics online and stuff yeah. like I used to get into it but it, it just yeah people take Facebook and, and Twitter way too seriously I mean I've been on, I've been on the um, the sort of sharp end of some some Twitter mobs like I tweeted this uh, there's a there's a kid on the tube must have been about 20 and uh, he was preening his hair and taking selfies and stuff so I just took a couple of pictures of him and tweeted them and I said this is why we need to bring back bullying you know because he was like there's no way when I was growing up there's no way a 20 year old would be so preening and sort of like you know like pouting and all that sort of stuff a 20 year old guy and uh, like and obviously it like, got shared people were finding it funny but then all the social justice warriors like piled in on me like calling me a bullet and like it went so crazy I got like 40,000 uh, 40,000 uh, retweets and stuff but like all these comments were, were people were reporting me to the police and all sorts really taking a photo in the tube which is which is ridiculous and um, yeah and then uh, but you just got to remember it's not real it's not real life but the, is that mental. is the danger I think there's two dangers in Twitter is the people that will violently disagree with you and yeah. the people that will violently agree with you yeah. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that getting in trouble there because that brings me to your show Trans- Transgressive yeah. um, so just tell us about it in, in a nutshell what the theme of it is yeah so the show uh, is about the, the Perth Fringe in Australia this year I was banned from a venue uh, I was doing the show Right Wing Comedian Was um, it after one day or something? Oh. This was before before it even started so this was back in Good November work. so this was a couple, of, a couple of months before it went uh, so yeah. obviously when the brochure was released people yeah. looked through them and were like oh my god there's a show called Right Wing Comedian like we can't allow this we're for diversity and tolerance but not diversity and tolerance of people's opinions like yeah. this mainstream political opinion mustn't be allowed at, at an arts festival we've all got to be because it's like, not like there's right wing politics in Australia is it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just is bizarre to me yeah. that people don't want 
you know, they think it's something that's going to be banned. Like, yeah, just yeah. let me have the. So, but yeah, so they dug through my Twitter and they did that thing where they, you know, go back to 2004 and find something um, yeah. offensive that you've posted when you're drunk and horny and they destroy a career. So they tried to do that to me. They went all the way back to that afternoon. It was uh, literally the most, <laughs> most recent thing I tweeted. So You're the easiest guy in the world to dox. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they went back to 2004, yeah. God knows what it would, would have been. But, um, but yeah, so basically, uh, it was material that they accused of being transphobic. Mm. Uh, and I don't think it's transphobic. It wasn't intended to be transphobic. And also, I wrote it with a transgender woman that I was dating at the time. Mm. So, not that that's a get out of jail free card for transphobia. It's a pretty um, big one, though. But yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, uh, I mean if in the game of liberal top trumps, yeah, 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 I think yeah. getting it on with a woman yeah. who's still got a cock is quite. If only she was Muslim as well, then yeah, it'd be like, yeah. you know, just a <laughs> royal flush. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I thought was. Was, was odd it's like people that have reacted badly to your show let's say it's yeah. got great views got great view in the Scotsman and yeah, in the end yeah. day, let's be honest now part of us we want someone to get Ben out of shape as well so we sort of rely on this yeah, yeah. a little bit but is that they sort of casually glossing over the fact that you've mm. dated a trans woman and the reason I mention it right is and we'll come to this, this weird review in a minute but I mentioned I, I got an absolute stinker in 2017 where part of what I was talking about was the fact that, that my son's godparents were two gay men right, yeah. I talked about holiday I went on to a beef where a gay guy at a, at a gay hotel I was staying at. It's already. I'm, I'm quite gay friendly, right? Yeah, I remember. Uh, this and and and, um, and he was he was basically he was trying to start a fight with me. He was yeah. being unsettled, so I, t- I took him on. I said, "Mate, you you know you're making people uncomfortable." It turned out he was naked, and I decided not to fight him because I sort of thought if it turns out that people realise I'm the only straight guy, <laughs> I get, and it suddenly looks like a fucking hate crime. Yeah. So yeah. this woman that went for me, she she sort of the way she paraphrased it was that he 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 started a fight with a gay man but ran away, sort of thing. Like, yeah, I thought, yeah. that, so unbelievably. Not. devoid of context yeah yeah and, and, and so I sort of thought maybe that annoys them in a way maybe like the fact that you sort of out liberaled some yeah. of these people bugs the shit out of them yeah yeah because they're all they're all doing it for show mm. all these all these liberals are doing it for show it's virtue signalling you know they can get offended by something to, to show that you know they signal to all the other liberals that they're they're pious too um, but don't you think you say all, all liberals in a way isn't it like like a good liberal is just getting on with being liberal do you remember like growing up like they'd always say like a real hard man yeah. wouldn't need to talk about the fact he was a hard man yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean like so if you're just a liberal you're, you're just going about your business yeah. doing that like you say yeah. something about constantly drawing attention to it makes me wonder how real it is yeah and the motives underneath that I mean it's like Chris Coltrane he was the biggest liberal in the on the comedy circuit mm. and he was super left wing and he ran that night lolitics where you weren't allowed to do jokes about sexual harassment and then it turns out he was a serial sexual harasser of women he just he didn't want people on stage belittling his hobby that's why he banned jokes about sexual assault um, belittling his hobby that's a fucking great line just yeah, well, about, yeah I mean that's he's like the classic sort of male feminist yeah, yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's using it as a sort of cloaking device to to get. He's the same disgusting, horny man underneath, and he's just trying to get his dick nearer to women. But you know, well, there's this thing that, that I've noticed because obviously, you know, like voting leave, and, and you know, there's there's certain uh, younger women on the Brexit side of things that are, you know, like they're attractive and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, but you see the way that these male feminists like totally drop their principles the moment some uh, some some woman doesn't like, and the way that the, the sexist sort of language that yeah. they level at them, you silly little girl, and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. You think like that's the fucking opposite like you couldn't be worse than to think that and it also it weirdly harkens back for me to a kind of Victorian age where yeah. women are sort of oh, no you've got to be virtuous yeah you've got to be I mean you look at right so we talk about as we record this this week we've had Caroline Lucas saying that there should be an all female um, there should be an all fame, female cabinet to decide Brexit yeah and it like because they'll get on better 
And yeah. I'm thinking, I, I, as a woman, I don't want to be fucking told. I'm not saying that as a woman now, but like the idea that I have to be like fucking agreeable. Yeah. I mean, it harkens back to that famous interview between Jordan Peterson and Kathy Newman when the whole crux of it was he was saying women are more agreeable, right? <laughs> and then you've essentially got like a leading female party leader going, yeah, yeah, we're, we're nice. We'll just get on. We'll just get on with the job. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, stick 12 women in a room together. I'm sure that will, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be absolutely yeah, no yeah, yeah. You're fucking politicians, man. It'd be weird if there wasn't some kind of jockeying. I thought the show w- was great, and then uh, we've alluded to this review. So this guy for uh, uh, what was it, Festmag? Louis Portis. Right, so it's middling sort of publication. There's me getting no more good reviews, yeah. but that's, it's not bad actually. Festmag. It's it's you know you, yeah. you, you're looking to get a decent one from them. And he basically said he, he said he gave it three stars, which isn't the worst review in the world. However, yeah. what he said in it was you were essentially as funny or funnier than Billy Connolly. Said, yeah, said it was one of the funniest shows at the Fringe. The audience was in teary hysterics throughout. Uh, he's like a young Billy Connolly. But then he reviewed my opinions. And yeah. He said I've got uh, I've got a warped ideology. Yeah. And all this. Like my show's not about me being right wing. I mean, I sort of say in the show that like, I'm right wing because I believe in small government and lower taxes and less government interference in people's lives. Yeah. Which I think most reasonable people would would agree with. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, it's if certainly want... a big market for those ideas. It's not a niche. Well, yeah, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm not coming out. I'm, like, I'm not saying. Oh, we need. We need a. You know, a white supremacist. We need. You know, we need a ethnic uh, la, la, and all this sort of yeah. stuff. It's the opposite of that. I'm just saying, like, we need to treat people like individuals, and we need equality for everybody, no matter what their race or gender or demographics. Yeah, and also, you know, I talk about dating a transgender woman, and uh, you know, growing up, you know, poor in Scotland and all this sort of stuff, um, and somehow, you know, he's. he's Drawn, I mean, he, he just keeps banging on about how I'm right wing, and I think even though like the show's not about being right wing, that was last year's show. It's but like what, what I thought show. was he was daft enough, and I think I think if I'm honest, you do get reviewers that come that want to piss on something because they don't yeah. like the existence of right of centre or yeah. contrarian comedy. What he was daft enough to do was actually admit it, right? Yeah. So his two thing main mistakes he made was he actually acknowledged it. If he was smart, he'd just piss on your show yeah, regardless, yeah. right, and not mention that. <laughs> but he's also he's also like in, he included a subjective view of what he thinks is the audience. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, not everybody thinks that Brexit is the is the worst idea in the world. You know, some people, some people, you know, think, and some people have got very good reasons for for wanting Brexit. Hmm. You know, not everybody. So you vote remain yourself, but you're sympathetic to the motives that people. Yeah, have. and I'm, yeah. I'm remain uh, I'm remain by about eighty percent, but then twenty percent I can see. You know, the EU is a sort of, it has got elements of unaccountability. Yeah. It's a huge bureaucracy. But you don't hold Brexit voters in contempt at all, you know? No, like, no, not really, no. Yeah. No. But only in terms of economic good sense, maybe. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, economically, uh, being part of Europe absolutely makes sense. And also, I mean, it's the same thing with, with Scotland. When Scotland wanted to leave England, uh, all these people in Scotland w- wanted independence. And I just, having worked in the government in, in London, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I don't I worked for the Foreign Office, worked for the police. There's so many Scots in the government. So many Scots in the civil service, like mm. former military people that have then gone into the police. Like, we've got a real influence. In well, you look at what it takes to, how many votes it takes to elect an SNP. You know, like, you think, what is it? Well, certainly when there was 56, it was based on what, like 3% of the, the British vote is like really low. Yeah. And you look what it takes for Lib Dems. You sort of yeah. think that's quite a sweet deal, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. Would, yeah. It, there is like this weird thing with the SNP. Like, there's a paradox at the heart of the idea yeah, that's just so fucking in your face. You know, and yeah. all the political parties are guilty of it, but they're sort of saying, 
Single markets are a great thing to be part of. You go, yeah. well, what about the one just down the A1? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we want to take, we want to get on a ferry to go to our single market. We just like, we, we, we like yeah. our single market. Drive all the way past it. Yeah, <laughs> to be like more of a booze cruise, you know? What most people think. But the, yeah, I mean, there are like, you know, the, the, the show that I'm doing this year is, is more like, a, the, you mentioned small state and lack of intervention yeah. and stuff like that is like, I, you know, I, as I'm doing the show, you know, there's just been this ad, uh, uh, this ad band, you know, because it promotes sort of uh, gender stereotypes. And, and oh, the one yeah. in this case was that the, um, that, uh, that men aren't as good at uh, looking after small children. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, even as you say it, yeah. you go, well, well, that's a fact. Yeah. yeah, yeah on yeah. balance. Yeah, yeah. And those all the fucking house husbands sitting there that have got fucking bit, bits of rust down their tops going, but I'm doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, like nothing precludes you doing a great job. But if you can't yeah. speak, like you almost can't have intelligence if you yeah. can't speak in generalities. Yeah, like, yeah. To a point. Yeah. So I, I think it's really odd and based on quite a small amount of complaints yeah. that, that, that they have, what could, I mean, what is advertising if it's not making assumptions yeah. about demographics? I mean, you've got housewives, housewives, 1634s, adults, young adults, yeah, yeah. young males. Yes, yeah, so you're targeting that demographic and showing them what they want to hear. And, uh, you know, apparently women spend uh, most of the sort of household, do most of the household shopping and stuff. So, yeah. so they make uh, husbands look like uh, idiots, do a joke where the husband looks like an idiot because that's what, that's what they want to see. I mean, it's a reason why in almost every sitcom in history that, that's, been, that's yeah. worked. Because, like, and, you know, the longer like, I've been married 15 years, it kind of yeah. goes that way. Yeah, <laughs> for most people. So you've got to have this experience that, yeah. that for people for it to count, it's got to resonate yeah. with people. And I've noticed in adverts recently is that they've become so diverse, almost to the point of comedy. Yeah, like you go like they sort of represent like McCain's had a particularly well-known advert where they just said, "This is who eats McCain's." <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was like it was like, like it was like one straight couple, then about three mixed race couples, disabled, yeah. gay, and and kind of like but you kind of gone. I would never have disputed yeah. that in the whole like you yeah. know consumption of McCain's oven chips that it would include <laughs> like they wouldn't want to sell to that thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It just felt like they were. I don't because yeah. I think they've well, all got it in their head that they've got to sell to young adults. Yeah, like, yeah. that's the that's the obsession. And they want to look. They want to look they want to look nice as well yeah and the thing I mean like, it's become the cool thing I mean I talk about this in my show you got like, the people who complained about my show like there was only one transgender person who complained mm. the rest were like these uh, straight guys who identify as queer but they've got girlfriends you know what I mean yeah, yeah, but they yeah. want to identify as queer because it's cool because mm. it is the cool thing to do these days it's like in the 90s we listened to obscure German techno bands or whatever and yeah, now yeah. people identify as queer or whatever but I don't respect that at all like you got to, I think the only way you should get onto the LGBTQ spectrum is by fucking your way on like yeah, yeah, suck yeah. a dick I'll listen to you you've got to do the yards all these yeah, yeah, you've got to do a like, yard of cock like, yeah. a yard, like a yard of ale <laughs> like a challenge yeah. chug, chug, chug. Yeah, so it can be it can be three really large cocks yeah. or like a dozen tiny ones you know what I mean but you got to do that <laughs> you can do it like uh, in installments or even like uh, Coca-Cola is using the rainbow flag to sell Coca-Cola it's become yeah. such a you know mainstream cool thing but obviously they run a different advertising campaign in Saudi Arabia yeah yeah probably there it's like you know I had, a, I had a hard day watching gays being beheaded uh, look man we do a section on this where we talk about um, we have letters um, yeah. and I get, get really good mix so if, if you don't mind you've got time I was yeah, sitting, yeah. sitting for these so the first one is from a guy called Taz um, he says uh, my girlfriend is a terrible driver um, she's had three crashes since she passed her test two years ago. I won't get in a car with her. But somehow in our friendship group, I'm made out to be some sort of Taliban level sexist. I'm Asian and she's white, which doesn't help. 
I wouldn't imagine it would in that situation. Um, I'm entitled to protect my own safety, right? They think I'm being sexist, but actually they're being racist. That's an interesting one, isn't it? He's, she's that bad at driving, I guess, that he just doesn't feel safe with her. But what he's saying, I guess, is his mates, the optic, like you just mentioned Saudi Arabia, the optic of an Asian man refusing to be driven by a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of, I guess it comes to, it's actually just a competence issue. Yeah. And what's he got to do in the end? You know, like if he's trying I, to. I think you just got to, man, those cars have got seat belts, you've got airbags, you're going to be all right if you crash. Just, yeah. just man, let, let her drive. Do, do one for equality. Man up. Or, you know, like, or, or, or let her, you, you've almost got to be proved right here, yeah. Taz. But I mean, she has had three crashes into her insurance premium, must be off the fucking yeah, hook. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, although apparently women get cheaper insurance because they crash less. Like that's why sheerless wheels. Well, now yeah, young women more, you know, they're they're more, you know, confident, more yeah. assertive. They're now wrapping themselves around lampposts, which is <laughs> finally what we're. <laughs> so there you go, Taz. I think you've just got. Uh, I think you just got to bite the bullet on, yeah, on that just one, get mate. Yeah, safe or, car. Get a Volvo. Or, then... or I would say this, like throw it the other way, is if the friendship group are predominantly white. I think if you publicly accuse them of being racist, you, yeah. you'd shut that down very quick. Oh, yeah. Nobody, they won't mention that shit again. That is the ultimate fear of any white person. Yeah. Well, there's two. There's being called racist, and the other fear is being asked to clap in time to music, which is impossible. <laughs> Get them to do that. Yeah. Do the weird hand clapping thing. I am, you are. <laughs> like on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, which all was? capital letters with hand claps in between. Well, who talks like that? Well, that was apparently so that e- that even is subject to controversy because that was appropriated from uh, apparently the black community where uh, apparently like I've seen lots of uh, black comics do material about it called syllable beatings, right? Or just making points with emphasis and clapping. So you, right. you get this thing where they're, they're, they're sort of making a point about cultural appropriation whilst deploying right. a little cultural bit of cultural appropriation. appropriation. Yeah. Uh, we've got another one here, uh, Gary from Tottenham. So we do like to do a little bit on uh, men's mental health here. And, and Gary's, he said, I've been depressed for over six months. Uh, my missus reckons I need to think about medication. Really don't want to, as I've lifelong been against it. My pride wants me to just get through it, but nothing's getting much better. Um, nor, nor is your grandma, Gary. Um, just saying, mate. Um, do I just need to bite the bullet and be one of these pill zombies? I wouldn't um, bite a bullet if you're depressed. That is, <laughs> that is not a solution, Gary. Yeah, fire um, into your fucking... Yeah, no, I, I, when I, I'd uh, antidepressants. Well, I talk about it in my show. Yeah, where yeah, I, yeah. I got run over, I spent a lot of time in hospital, and then you know I was yeah. depressed and on, on drugs and stuff when I came out. So, um, yeah, I took antidepressants. I got to say, they were amazing. Like, mm. they just completely rejuvenated me. It was like, it was like being on a pill. Yeah, yeah. It was mad, the, the difference I felt. Um, like sort of, I'm almost. Well, what was it? Which one? Do you remember? It was a Lustral. So that was the name of it. But fucking I don't know, great name. I don't yeah. know what the. Um, Just sounds like a fucking sex. Sertraline. I think sertraline. Sertraline. That's quite popular at the moment yeah stage, yeah so I think I think it was that one but the brand name was, was Lustral and yeah really just just flipped me Three, I mean I was I was at the point where I, I couldn't I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep yeah. couldn't get a boner like, I was literally if I ate food I'd like what, throw up it was crazy like just there was something really sort of badly wrong with me yeah yeah and uh, man these pills like a couple of months I was just absolutely like you know just flipped around and so happy how so, long did you stay on um only a few months, it was about four months, because I remember I went and worked in, uh, I, got, I got a summer job, I was like 19, I got a summer job in America. Yeah. And uh, so that was, you know, being on antidepressants, being super happy, and getting this job in America, yeah. you know, just in the sunshine, talking yes, to people yeah, yeah. all the time, it was just amazing, like, just really. 
I think um, it's, I think it is tricky, you know, with male male pride because I think it's something it's an important thing to us, and it's, you can't just dismiss it and say, oh, "Swallow yeah. your pride." It's not as simple as that. Um, and I, I know what you mean because, like, when I I've had a couple of spells on medication. When I first did it in 2014, I was yeah. like, that was one of the hardest things I had to get over. Right, yeah. Was like, oh fuck, do you know yeah, what I mean? And like, and becoming a hypocrite as well. Like, yeah, you know, I wanted to be like, you fucking sort yourselves out. You yeah, know? yeah. And like going to the doctor who's going to be yeah. a person and having to say to that person, yeah, that, you know. You're not, and then like having them judge you and all the rest of it is is horrible. But I mean, doctors are pretty well trained in in dealing with this sort of stuff now because it is, you know, it's a really common thing. Because we're not designed to live like this, we're not designed to live in the modern world. It's it's a horrible way to live. Like, uh, we've always lived the tribal life, so you've got a position in the tribe, you've got, you know, you don't have any of these worries about you know, security and your role and you don't have the boredom of going in and doing like a horrible job for 60 hours a week. Yeah, like we, yeah. we, I've spoken to um, to the guy who uh, produced um, Tribe, that, that show with Bruce Parry where he goes and lives with all these tribes. Mm. All the tribes do is they go out, they like catch a baboon or whatever they're going to eat, mm. they cook it and then they just sit around. They spend 95% of the time just sitting around having a laugh. And you know they sleep in a you know yeah, mud yeah. hut or a, or a treehouse or whatever, and they have a brilliant, brilliant time. And that's how we are supposed to live. Finally, uh, this is the thing that's becoming a thing in the podcast now. It's a nice base question about politics. Yeah. Who would win in a fight between Emily Thornberry and Anne Widdicombe? It's tricky that Emily Thornberry, because Anne Widdicombe uh, looks she's not got long left, has she? Okay, we, 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 I suppose we calibrated like Taylor the Tape Prime. Ah, oh, right, the so, Prime. So physical physical Lady. Prime. Like if, if Anne Widdicombe was like the same age as Emily Formby now. One thing about Emily Formby is like she's quite ebullient and stuff like that. She seems yeah. like she takes those prisoners, but she's also, she is that kind of lefty from that world, you know. Whereas Anne Widdicombe, like she's she's had a lot of hate. I wonder if like she's yeah she's got that vi- that she, viciousness. I she might go mad, mad Catwoman. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, totally. She's got that that fire burns within her. Like you yeah. see, even when you know when she's talking about immigration or whatever, she's not coming from a, a reasonable place. Yeah, you know, the she's eyes, not looking at the pros and cons. The eyes would go. It'd be like <laughs> some sort of kamikaze. Yeah, or something. I wouldn't want to be on the the wrong side of her. I think Emily Formby might be quite technically correct. Yeah, yeah, in her fighting style. I don't yeah. know why. I and she might, she, I mean, she might have had, because uh, everybody seems to, all uh, the women I know, they seem to yeah. do like Krav Maga and all that kind of stuff, um, like the, the self-defense stuff. So maybe she'd like just get her in a goose lock or something. And, yeah, I, in a way that I was thinking like she'd execute some really good sort of like wrestling type yeah, yeah. moves on a just go stay down Whittacombe Yeah, yeah. And Anne Whittacombe's just everything she learned was, uh, was in the girl guides. You know, it's, uh, it's that. But do you, do you reckon Anne Widdicombe knows that one, maybe like fighting other girls at hockey as yeah. well? Do you think she'd bring. Because, like, the, press, the, the the concept of this is that there's no weapons involved. Oh, right, yeah. But I think Widdicombe might bring some sort of shank. Anne Widdicombe would vastly prefer to be commanding an army on a table, you know, moving those little <laughs> things around with a long stick like they do in documentaries. Cool. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hopefully, it's going to be out while Edinburgh Festival is still on. So, you're on until which date? The 25th is the last day. 5th, Gilded Balloon, and yep. what time? It's at 9.15 p.m., and it's called Transgressive. Transgressive. Okay, I've seen the show. It's uh, highly recommended. Uh, Leo Kurz, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, that... 
Okay. Oh my God, I've done it again. I've done a weird bit of talking on the podcast. Okay, welcome to Capital FM Drive Time. That was Shania Twain. Um, oh my God, I hate myself. Um, no, what, uh, this is the end of the podcast, basically. It's the end of the podcast, and as regular listeners will know, at the end of the podcast, I will read out um, a couple of five-star reviews. Only five-star reviews that I'll read out, unless there's really funny, a really funny slaughter in there, but I haven't had a couple of those for a while. Um, so the first one, I, I don't really have a name for this one, is uh, but he mentions cricket, so I'm just going to presume, presume, presume that he's posh, all right? Uh, great podcast, but not enough cricket analogies. Please have more. Seriously, though, I think Jeff is bang on. I mean, that's definitely a posh bloke, isn't it? That's got to be. He's bang on. Really talks common sense in an age of political hysteria on both sides and women being able to... No, he didn't say that. Uh, The episode with Ramesh was absolutely great. Looking forward to the live dates in October. You come in to more than one. There you go. That's a true fan. Probably not, but... You can. You can do that, yeah? If you did do that, it would freak me the fuck out, actually. If I saw the same punter at my gig within six weeks, I would I would hire security. I would. Uh, and then the last one here, last one here is from a guy called Jeff Z. Jeff Z. Spelled, well, first of all, Jeff, you spelled Jeff wrong, haven't you? You spelled with a J. And Jeff Z. Is that like your, is that your, like, Bikram yoga name or something, you know? Anyway, he calls it himself. He says, uh... Uh, as a member of the metropolitan slash cosmopolitan liberal elite, I quite like being challenged in an entertaining way by someone with a bit of wit who's not a complete nutter. Well, fa- Jeff, thank you for the five star. I think you, you, in a way, I'm quite pleased that you've kept your liberal elite credentials there um, by saying that I've got a bit of wit. You know, don't go to form who's not a complete nutter. Basically implying that everybody else on the right and uh, uh, Brexit is, is a nutter. But I, I don't mind that, mate. You're listening to my show. You're getting outside the fucking bubble, Jeff C. Yeah? Do a quick downward dog. Have yourself a wheatgrass smoothie and fucking enjoy life. Jeff C, I don't, I don't know where that one was going. But yeah, thanks for that review, Jeff. Thanks for that posh bloke, cricket guy. Uh, we're going to be back. Uh, I've got a few interviews that I'm getting in the bag while I'm in Edinburgh. So I'll have another interview. I think I can tell you the next one is. I think I'll tell you the next one is. In two weeks from now, I've got Henning Vane. Yeah, big high profile name, Henning. Uh, Going to have a chat. No, I have had the chat with him. It's in the bag. And I'm looking forward to getting that one out there as well. But for now, keep it Brexit. Brexit.